Hello and welcome to the debut episode, maybe the last episode, of the Deep Like Leviathan podcast. I'm your host, Evan Altman. I am uh, also making an attempt at producing this thing, uh, so we're going to see how this goes. First podcast, have appeared on a couple, have never actually recorded one or produced one myself, so uh, thanks for coming along on this maiden voyage. Uh, definitely going to get into some interesting stuff, I hope, over the course of this uh, little little ride. So, <laughs> what the hell is this little ride, um, exactly? Deep Like Leviathan. Um, it's kind of weird to say, but it, it sort of came to me as an aha moment, so I wanted to share that. It's, it's really, I guess, uh, some folks might look at that as the 1651 book by Thomas Hobbes, uh, based on the structure of society and legitimate government, uh, kind of up there with the prince by Machiavelli as, uh, as sort of establishing the grounds for social contract theory. Uh, that is not what I'm basing this on. Uh, that would be even more boring than I'm going to be anyway. Uh, there's also a 1989 movie, a horror film, about some craziness in uh, in the deep sea. Uh, of course, a leviathan is a, is a mythical beast, um, but what I actually drew this from were some lyrics from an Inspected Deck song. It was actually uh, so Inspected Deck of the Wu Tang Clan. His uh, his initial solo release or, or, or solo track, uh, which was included on the Tales from the Hood soundtrack called "Let Me At 'Em," and uh, and there's a line in there that says, "My technique of speech is deep, like Leviathan, hitting up your block with bombs, rapid firing." And uh, I, I guess I could go on, right? Shooting for the platinum to bring it back to the same place I got the gap from. Let me at them. Uh, so deep like Leviathan. I, I enjoy that. My technique of speech is deep. Uh, I I actually literally have a deep voice. Uh, but I think the, the depth there is not in in reference to octaves. But, uh, you know, again, being deep, having a, having a lot of meaning to it. So anyway, I thought that was cool. And, and at the same time, you know, what I kind of wanted to get into with this pod is um just make it an outlet for a lot of my other passions uh, most of the folks probably listening here at least up front know me as a, as a cubs writer a, a proprietor and writer of a cubs blog cubs insider and uh you know and, and so a lot of my tweets though and a lot of my activity on social media is is based around a lot of pop culture stuff be it like 90s hip-hop or or just movies and, and, you know, pop culture going back to various other different things. And so I kind of wanted to bring those things all together. And ideally, I'll bring in some some guests from time to time. And I'd really like to delve into different topics. So, for instance, if we're looking forward with Captain Marvel, with Avengers Endgame coming out, I want to bring on somebody to talk about those and really dive into some of the really funky stuff, some of maybe the rumors and, and the little plot twists and things like that. Um, huge Stephen King fan. So we've got Pet Cemetery and It Chapter 2 coming out later this year. Would love to have somebody on to talk about those things and to really dive in on some hardcore Stephen King stuff. I'm actually, right now as we speak, I'm reading a book by Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. So I've read a few of his efforts, and, and I don't think he's quite up there with his old man, but there's definitely some uh, some interesting things that are in there just the same. So a lot of fun with that. Pardon me. I hope the mic stays here while I go reach for my beer. Uh, figured an inaugural 
voyage of the podcast requires a special beer. So I have cracked a bottle of Dogfish Head 120-minute um, IPA, relatively strong. I don't know if you've had these before. They've got the 60, the 90. There's even a 75 right there in the middle. Uh, these, this bad boy's sitting around 16, 17%. It's, uh, it's really bitter. It's super malty and, uh, and I got to drink it slow, but, um, beer is one of my other passions as well. So, uh, definitely want to bring some folks on from time to time who know the, the brewing industry and to really dive deep again, right? The name of the pod, uh, rather than just kind of do some blanket stuff like, Boy, I'd love to get somebody from Corridor Brewing in Chicago to talk about the hazy IPA craze, right? The New England style. These guys make beers that look like orange juice, kind of taste like orange juice too, to be honest with you. And uh, and to really dive in on that one specific thing rather than kind of like, what is the overall brewing industry doing? Uh, so a lot of things like that, right? So for this one, um, I, I really don't have much of a plan, probably not the best way to go about things, so I totally understand that, but I've been told I have a good radio voice, so I figured, you know, maybe I could just, like, bring out some, like, bags of chips, and I'll just read the ingredients list, and maybe that'll be cool, and, and people will like it, but um, outside of that, I would I would hope that I'm bringing a little bit of humor, a little bit of insight into this whole thing, so for this first one, right, I talked about pop culture and how I really dig kind of getting into some uh, some specific movies, maybe some music. So we're going to cover a little bit about the 1989 movie, The Burbs. And uh, we're going to talk a little Wu-Tang Clan after that. But what I really want to talk about here, because The Burbs, so as I'm recording this, we're on the last day of February. It'll actually turn into March Eastern time as I'm recording. But The Burbs earlier this month on February 17th turned 30 years old. Which is hard to believe. Um, so it's it's just about ten years younger than me, give or take a few months. And uh, so this was like a big part of of my life growing up. There's certain things that I think we can all point to, be it a movie or a song or um, you know maybe an artist of some sort, where things just intersected the right way in your life at that time where that that thing just stood out and got put up on a pedestal and no matter how many times you watch it or, or no matter how many times you listen to it you are taken back to that time and, and you're able to kind of enjoy that sort of sort of pass it along so for me the burbs was one of them uh, I actually had the movie poster up I'm in my little basement I, I wouldn't even call it a studio because I'm I'm literally just sitting in my basement right now. But the posters behind me um, actually got that as a, as a Christmas gift for my wife before we were married. Pardon me, I'm a little parched. I'm going to have a sip of this 120, and I'll get right back to you. A smarter person would probably edit things like that out, but uh, smart I am not. And so you're just going to have to put up with this. But So the burbs, right? And, and if you're listening to this and have not seen it, shame on you. Uh, correct your mistake immediately but all-star cast right tom hanks as the lead actor playing ray peterson the mild-mannered suburbanite who's uh who's staying home he's got a staycation during the summer in his his nondescript little cul-de-sac uh when it's all ruined by the uh satanic murderous clan of uh the the klopek family that moves in next door and uh, and it's kind of you know the wacky hijinks of he and his neighbors, but his wife is played by the late great Carrie Fisher, 
and uh, you know, in, in one of her better roles, and in my opinion, I I think some uh, some nerds might disagree with that, um, but I'm, I'm I'm kidding. I, I love the Star Wars movies, obviously, but then you've got uh, Rick Dukeman as uh, his nosy neighbor who eats all his food, Art Weingartner. You've got Bruce Dern playing Mark's Rump- Mark Rumsfeld. You know the the kind of weird military guy next door. Corey Feldman is in the movie, uh, you know, as uh, as Ricky Butler, the kind of teenage burnout type of a dude whose parents are away for the week. And so he's at home, which is going to his home. That's actually part of the, the fun trivia stuff we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But the biggest part of it, right, it's it, the movie to me stands the test of time because, again, came out when I was about 10 years old. And I distinctly remember um, and I, I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, I, I, I love the movie going experience. That's something I think I'll talk about in the future. Just being there and, and going to the theater, uh, despite some of the, the pitfalls around it. I, I love that for a new release, but, uh, so this movie in particular. So again, we're talking about the, the late eighties, right? Almost into the nineties, but you had to go pick the movies up from a video store and growing up in in rural northwest indiana we did not have blockbuster or any of the major chains so it was a some place and it was actually in winnemac and i and i remember going in there it was myself my brother my dad and uh and we were looking around and, and my brother and i wanted to get this movie so uh we go to get that we take it up to the counter we get back home and we realized that somehow we had mistakenly been given a copy of a wwf wrestling uh, you know, an old pay-per-view or something. It was wrestling. And, and I don't remember who most of the others were. I do remember that the Birdman Coco Beware was one of them. And so we didn't get to watch like a lot of the wrestling stuff. And we we're kind of into that at the time, you know, we we're like, you know, eight and 10 years old or something like that. And, and so we, we watched the hell out of that. Right. So we loved it. And then we, we took it back. We eventually got the burbs and, and just uh, again, love the movie. And, uh, and and what was really kind of cool about it, and I think at the time we first watched it, we were still living out. We used to live out in the country on a farm. And then we actually moved into town. And this is, we're talking about a town of 1,500 people, right? So not like a real town, but just like a, a, like a little burg. Uh, we had a blinking red light, and that was the only stoplight of any sort. Still is the only one in town. And, um, and so this is one of those things, you know, during the summers, you kind of sit around and watch movies with your buddies. And, and that was a movie that, like, we watched countless times right over the... It got to the point where we could just recite the entire movie word for word all the way through. And and that was sort of one of those things. And it, and it remains to this day one of those movies that, that like, if, if I'm around one of those guys that I grew up with back in the day, right, and we're all in our mid-30s to early 40s, <laughs> that we could all still sit there and quote little things back and forth from that. And so it's this tie back there. And so... I want to say it was a couple of years ago. We're at a hotel or something, and and just you know didn't have a very good television signal or, or choices, and so I pulled up. I think it was on Netflix at the time, or I found it somehow, bought it on Amazon. I don't know, and watched it with my son, like on the iPad or the phone or something. And uh, it just it was a neat moment, right, to kind of share that with him and uh, and to kind of go across. And of course, his favorite part uh, and 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 continues to be it because he thinks it's funny, right? Because I think at the time he watched, he was eight and. You know, we're still careful with some of those things. It still are, right, with some of the things he sees. But uh, the part about when Rumsfeld, when, when Walter, the old man down the street, uh, which is one of my favorite lines, but his dog takes a crap in Rumsfeld's yard, and Rumsfeld steps in it, and, you know, he's, he goes, yells, you know, your dog is taking his last crap on my lawn. You know, he does it again. I'm going to find him. I'm going to staple his ass shut. 
and my son just lost it. I mean, lost it. And so, uh, so that's like his favorite thing. I mean, he's just, you know, cause you're a kid and that's the thing is that's what I remember like being a kid, seeing, hearing things like that, maybe that you're not supposed to, and you just get the gigs and, uh, and it's awesome. And so for me to be able to enjoy that kind of through his eyes anew was really, really cool. Right. But, uh, that, but that was one of my favorite things. And of course this probably means nothing to folks who have not seen it, but, uh, but I mean, anything, just about anything Rumsfeld says is just fantastic. But uh, there was a specific incident I remember. I think it was around Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. We're at my grandma's house, and uh, and everybody's gathering in the room. And my dad's looking around. He's like, "Are we all here?" And we're kind of looking around. I look, and and I'm like, "Well, actually, Dad, we're not all here. Walter, the old man, lives down the street. Nobody knows where the hell he is." And <laughs> my dad had no idea what he's doing. And my brother about fell over. He thought it was hilarious, but uh, I thought it was hilarious. I think most of the things I do are hilarious. But anyway. Uh, you probably didn't think that was hilarious. So there we go. But, uh, without further ado, what I, what I wanted to go through, and this is, this is really just stuff from, uh, IMDB. So it's not like this is anything really, uh, earth shattering or that you couldn't find on your own, but I did want to go through a few of these things because some of the trivia from this is really cool. And this is kind of the fun thing about like, if you watch movies with the director's commentary on them and, uh, and I don't do that often enough. I do that with movies that I really love like Ghostbusters, um, or Planet Terror, which is a phenomenal movie, or um, From Dusk Till Dawn, which is my favorite movie of all time. And both Planet Terror and From Dusk Till Dawn, as you may be aware, uh, were directed by Robert Rodriguez. And so there's some really cool stuff about that, some real, really neat trivia, and especially From Dusk Till Dawn, which also starred Quentin Tarantino, who had a, a huge role in that. And so some of the little inside jokes that are in there, especially when you tie in Tarantino's other movies, are excellent. But um, anyway, let's, let's go through some of this. So here's, here's one that's kind of interesting. So the dog, remember I talked about that, the dog Queenie who, who took a dump in the guy's yard, uh, same dog that played precious in the silence of the lambs in 1991, a couple years later. So that's one way to do it. Now here, here's another cool one. So, and this is going to come into play with some of these other little things. So the street that they used, uh, the street on which, uh, Mayfield Place, which Mayfield was where uh, the Cleavers lived in Leave It to Beaver, but this was it was on a universal back lot, right? So it wasn't a real town, uh, just a set piece. But it's actually been used in Desperate Housewives, uh, some of the other ones, and in Walter's house, right? The old man that's on the corner. That's actually the only one of them that hasn't changed over time. Obviously, they kind of have to update them uh, as things go along. But uh, keep that in mind, and and then remember with Ricky Butler. Uh, the kid living at home for the time or staying at home and having to paint the house while his parents are gone on vacation. Remember that, uh, because that is, that is fairly interesting. Now there's a lot of stuff in here, you know, people, uh, improvise certain scenes, a lot of which was because it was filmed during the writer's strike of 1988. And so there, they couldn't get any rewrites done or anything like that. So a lot of it was Joe Dante, the director, just telling them, Hey, go out there and improvise. So Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, uh, Rick Dukeman, they're all out there just kind of doing whatever the hell they want. And a lot of that actually makes it into the movie because, uh, well, obviously it made a hell of a lot of sense, right? So it, <laughs> this one's great, right? Because it fits, and we, we look at some of these things. So you talk about the dog taking a dump on the guy's lawn, but what's even better is is that there was actually a monkey throwing shit around the place uh, during, during the course of the set, right? Because Corey Feldman, if you recall, was very good friends with Michael Jackson, who had a chimpanzee named Bubbles. And, and Michael didn't show up on set, but, but apparently Bubbles did. 
and was confined to Feldman's trailer during the course of filming and apparently wasn't very pleased with it and and was not uh, supervised. And so when Corey would come back to his trailer, it would be covered with feces, which, uh, you know, apparently is a regular thing uh, for Corey Feldman. Maybe he was used to that. I don't know. But eventually the the chimp was banned from the stage as a result of that. But uh, there were another couple in here and, and a couple of them that I loved Right there were, you see little things in there, um, like the box of Gremlins cereal that's on the kitchen counter in the background because Joe Dante also directed the Gremlins movies. And uh, and if you look at uh, the beginning of the movie, again, as I mentioned, so Mayfield Place, that's where the Cleavers lived in Leave it to Beaver. Uh, the the scene in the Clopex house, if you remember when, when Bruce Dern is in there, Rumsfeld, and he's looking at this painting and he flips it over, he's looking at it. That was actually used in uh, in one of Rod Serling's Night Gallery, an early episode of that. So you got all these cool little tie-ins. Like these are the things, the inside stuff that I think when you watch that, uh, it, it really sort of takes you back to uh, to all the little tie-ins, all the little Easter eggs. Right, those things have been around forever, and uh, and the the movie was supposed to have been in the Chicago area, so that's kind of a fun thing. Most of the people who were listening. But uh, here, here's here's the cool one, and I'll leave you with this. As I met Ricky Butler, right, his house, and remember we talked about this being on a universal back lot. It's been used for other movies, other, other television shows. His house was actually the Munster's house from the 1960s TV show. And that's why every shot you see of the home that Ricky Butler lives in is very up close. They never shoot a wide shot of it because if they did – the the house would be so recognizable as the monsters that it would throw things off and uh, and, it, and it would really kind of clue you into that so that's why they keep really a tight shot on that the whole time so so uh, again I'm not gonna get into it too much because I I am worried that a few of you uh, Philistine heathens have not seen this movie and you really need to go out and do that right now so fix that and and once you do and, and here here's what I want to hear if if anybody out there. Uh, and, and I know the odds are fr- probably fairly slim because of the five of you that listen to this, I'm, I'm hoping that four of you have actually already seen the movie, and the fifth one probably gave up on this show uh, 15 minutes ago. But if you are listening to this, if you have not seen The Burbs, please do so. And, you know, I would love for you to reach out to me. Find me on Twitter, at Altman. You can email me. Uh, my email address is Evan Altman, E-V-A-N-A-L-T-M-A-N, at CubsInsider.com. And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, and I know that sounds weird, like, oh, I'm going to email some dude and tell him what I thought about this movie. Uh, so maybe Twitter's easier. Uh, and, and, you know, you can be a little more snarky there, and that's fine. That's cool. But uh, but But let me know what you think there. And, uh, you know, one one thing I want to cover here, because I, I, I talk about this stuff a lot, and I, I do want to get into some music, some movies, things like that. Um, one of the things, and this is, again, you talk about kind of this this seminal moment, uh, and actually the, the word uh, apparently is supposed to be seminal, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sound very apropos to say it that way, so we've, we've gotten to seminal. Um, but in any case, uh, and as you can imagine, there's a, there's a reason why. It's, a, it's kind of a, a formative uh, period of formative thought. But anyway, when we talk about kind of these intersections in our lives and like how, how different things strike us uh, a certain way. So I'm looking up and I've got this uh, 
a, a Wu Tang Clan clock. Uh, it's actually made out of a out of a record, and uh, and I do actually have the vinyl enter the thirty six chambers just off to my left here, because I am a huge Wu Tang Clan fan, uh, and, and I have been for many many years now. And, and that was one of these things. So I don't know. Uh, again, based on your age, you may or may not remember any of this, but if you remember, like the Columbia House. Or the BMG, I think it was BMG, right? The the record, the deals that would come like in the USA Today. And it was like 12 CDs for a penny, you know, and you were like signing your life away after that. Like you'd get 12, uh, you'd pick out whatever CDs and they send them to you and then they'd keep sending you stuff like every month thereafter and you have to pay like an exorbitant amount for it, right? But you could pick these things out at first. And so I, I remember, you know, going through and, and so... As a 13, 14-year-old kid, excuse me, I'm going to drink a beer and, and not edit the this out, so you're going to have a pause, or I could just hold it right up to the mic and drink while I talk to you. Mmm. Mmm, that's delicious. It's also really late, and this is a really heavy beer, and it's it's not easy to uh, to slug back very quickly, so it's probably a foolish choice to crack it so late, but you know what? Here we are. So anyway... Um, I'm trying to remember the albums that I got. I cannot I got the chronic was one of them from Dr. Dre um, and enter the Wu-Tang. There's an album by Del the Funky Homo Sapien and a Megadeth album. I I remember distinctly. Part of me wants to say I got only built for Cuban links. um, Raekwon's debut album. But I don't think that's the case because that didn't drop until 95, and so something's missing there. So anyway, so I got all these, and and at the time, I'll, I'll tell you, so I was, I was way more into Dr. Dre and, and Snoop, and you know, Doggy Style came out not too long after that, and so The Chronic was one of them that I would listen to a lot more, and I think it was like my freshman year, eighth grade freshman year in high school, somewhere around the, there. And so the the Wu-Tang album, I didn't really get into that much. And I had a buddy who was like, hey, I heard you have that Wu-Tang Clan album. Can I borrow that? And he did. And I eventually got it back. And uh, and that was when I, you know, I really started to listen to it more. And so that was that that, that continued to get regular play in, in, in my car, right? So we're talking about CDs, and you had the big case logic, you know, with like 300 CDs or whatever. And I ended up getting like probably at the, at the end of it, 30 or 40 different albums from whether it be the Wu-Tang Clan, the different offshoots, all their solo albums, because here's the great thing about it. The really cool thing was was RZA, uh, Bobby Diggs, uh, Robert Diggs, right, Bobby Digital, uh, Prince Rakim uh, was his was RZA. So he's got a, a lot of pseudonyms, right? But anyway, they negotiated this, this fantastic deal in which, um, and now, why am I, I I'm completely skipping uh, the record label that they signed with. And now I'm going to be really angry with myself, but you know, the show must go on anyway to where the, the group was on one label, but they were allowed as individuals to sign with different labels. And, and some of them stayed there. Uh, but others, you know, you had method man, you had old dirty bastard. Uh, they were all able. So it was this, it was this kind of really unique setup, right? But these guys were just, it was so that, Enter the Wu-Tang, the, the 36 Chambers album was just so raw, like you could tell. So even as, you know, this this white kid uh, who grew up around all these other white kids in northwest Indiana, uh, where, you know, a lot of that hip-hop had not really penetrated, and, and certainly not to that level where, I mean, that was big, right? That album was big, but it was not 
mainstream. It didn't get tons of radio play, certainly not on the kind of radio stations that we could get. And so there wasn't this, you know, and, and strangely enough, Ellie, and it certainly wasn't on MTV as much, or at least not when, when I was watching, you know, in favor of a lot of the West coast stuff. And then certainly when Biggie came out, you know, that, that kind of took over. And, uh, and, and so it was, but for me, you know, there was something about it for whatever reason. And I, and I don't know why, I mean, they, they use all these unique words, like really would like make words up or, or the way, um, the, the, the Kung Fu style. They, they even used a lot of, uh, a lot of the teachings of Islam and, and, and a lot of phrasing from that too, right? A lot of terminology that came out of this and the way they would throw it together was just so cool to me and how RZA would produce all this stuff, you know, by taking a paint can and, and putting the, putting the mic in a paint can and just hammering the top of it with like the stir stick or with a screwdriver or something to make a sound kind of like a snare that you hear on some of those songs, right? And so uh, to this day, right, I could still rap a lot of that stuff. At, at one point, I could name all 10 members, right? We're, so we're including Mastakilla and Capadonna uh, in under three and a half seconds. I don't know if anybody wants to time this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm not going to time it. I, I think I dropped my phone. So uh, I'm going to see if I can get close to this by going – RZA Jizz already about suspected act break one chef. You got Ghost Fitzkill, Mathkill, Method Man, Capitan. So I think I got them all. RZA Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspected Deck, Raekwon the Chef, You God, Ghostface Killer, Master Killer, Capadonna, Method Man. Um maybe I skipped one of them. I don't know, but I think I still got it in under three point five, so I can still do that. Right off the top of my head. I did practice that a couple times uh earlier today, I won't lie. Um but anyway, so that was that was uh, that was like my little Wu Tang stick, and I, what I would love to do is to get somebody on as an actual guest. Like I, these are all just touching the surface. What I would love to do is is have a, kind of a deeper dive conversation to that, and let that be something where you know, hey, if that's not your bag, great, you don't need to listen. Um, but if it is something you're into or something you'd like to know more about, we can really get into that. Um, uh, again, another topic like I, I want to get Josh Noel from uh, from the Chicago Tribune, the beer writer to really dig in and he's a big Cubs fan too. Right. And so I'm a Cubs fan. I'm going to try to keep a lot of that out of this pod, uh, except for the purposes of, of, you know, when it makes sense or if we're going to dive into something really specifically like Chris Bryant's extension or something like that, we want to just hit that topic really hard. But what I'd love to do is, is get some thoughts on the Chicago beer scene, maybe comparing different Cubs players to styles of beer and just kind of fun stuff like that, right? Like, I don't want to take this too seriously. Um, you know, hopefully you'll want to come along for the ride. Uh, ideally, I'll be a little bit more on point with some of my stuff in the future. And uh, we gotta, maybe there'll even be some production value to this at some point, which would be really wild, right? Can you imagine? Um, that would be pretty crazy. And uh, maybe I'll get some guests on that you like and maybe I'll be funnier the next time and uh yeah so that's about it uh i'm gonna try to finish this beer it is 12 10 local time and uh and i've got to get up actually i'm gonna fly to phoenix tomorrow for spring training and uh very much looking forward to that and then i'm gonna be in vegas for a couple days unfortunately bryce harper just signed a contract and i will not be able to meet with him and try to lure him uh to cubs insider or to be a guest on the deep like leviathan podcast so uh so again thanks for thanks for joining on this maiden voyage uh i i hope i don't just sink this some bitch and 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 end up at the bottom of the ocean with the leviathan 
which is probably uh, in all likelihood where this thing deserves to be. But we'll see, and uh, maybe I'll carve out 30 to 60 minutes at a time to do this, and uh, you know, I can bore you to tears. If nothing else, if you don't want to listen to it, I wouldn't recommend listening in the car. I probably should have put this as a caveat way up front. Uh, because I do not want to put you to sleep, but there are a lot of apps out there for white noise uh, that kind of help you fall asleep. And if nothing else, maybe this is a free way to uh, to replace one of those. You can listen to the dulcet town. To, I can't even speak the dulcet tones of my voice to help you fall deeply and safely asleep at the end of the day. So, again, thank you for listening. I hope you join me on future episodes. And if not, I, I will actually I will know because I have very specific I will come to your home and I will beg you to listen again. Um, actually, I won't. That was really creepy, right? Because I just talked about you falling asleep and then I talked about coming to your home. And now I have completely scared everyone off and I've actually made myself really, really uncomfortable. So with that, I will say good day. And again, I cannot thank you enough, both of you, for sticking around this long. See me next time on Deep Like Leviathan.